0: Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Um, we are in our fourth week of the season, Brave. And what we're doing is we're looking at the story of Joshua and the Israelites as they made their way from the promised land. Sorry, as they made their way from the wilderness into the promised land. And the last three weeks, what we've done is we looked at chapter one, where we saw Joshua being commissioned as the new leader of the Israelites, and he's been brave and he's been called to step into all that God has called him to do, to be strong and be courageous to follow him, to meditate on that book of law day and night. And then the Israelites turned around and they gave him their full support. And then as they prepared to cross the Jericho, um, into Jericho and cross the Jordan, the first thing Joshua did was to send out two spies into the promised land. And on this mission, we get to see God's heart, his heart for all people, regardless of who they are, what they've done, where they've come from. So actually God is reaching out to them. And he reaches out to Rahab and her family, and they are welcomed into God's family. And last week, Mark spoke to us from Joshua chapters 3 and 4. And the Israelites have finally entered the promised land, and they've crossed the river Jordan. Um, But before they did this, they were told to consecrate themselves before God. They had to be brave then and to make their way through the Jordan and step into it. And then God miraculously made a way for them. And so what we're doing today, we're in chapter 5, and they've arrived in the promised land, and they're camped at Gilgal, and we're looking at what it means to be brave to listen, brave to obey, and to realize that God is bringing us in to be fully committed to him. But for that to happen, sometimes we have to remove things from our own lives first, and then we can head off into battle for him. So I've asked Abs to come and read to us this morning. I hope he's here. He is could be really awkward.
1: Um, Abs is going to read Joshua chapter 5. Thanks, Abs. All right. So this morning we're going to read Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites at that time the lord said to joshua make flint knives and circumcise the israelites again so joshua made flint knives and circumcised israelites at gibbeth haraloth now this is why he did so all those who came out of egypt all the men of military age died in the wilderness on the way after leaving egypt all the people that came out had been circumcised but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from egypt had not The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age um, when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that He had solemnly promised ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land: unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate some of the produce of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Abs. That's brilliant. I'm going to say a
0: prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Um, open our hearts to receive from you today. And God, anything I say that's not of you, may it fall to the ground and die. And anything that's from you, God, let it be seed in our hearts that grows. In your name, amen. Oh, amen um, my wife Mish and I and my daughter and I went to Ikea this week I don't know if you've been to Ikea before uh, I didn't enjoy it very much I didn't, it wasn't a great experience I find you go over shopping lists but then you can get easily suckered in can't you to buying all those small things that they sell that look cheap and they look reasonably priced and you think well I need that for my house and you end up spending a lot more than what you normally would and then you get home and you think well actually I don't really need this stuff but you're stuck with it and then the whole process of kind of buying that furniture it's quite a long process. You go through a shop floor, and then once you've found your item, you have to find the number. Then you go downstairs into the warehouse, and the warehouse where we were in Greenwich is massive. It's about 24 aisles long, and each aisle has about 60 different sections. And somewhere in there is your furniture, and then you are made to go and find that furniture. And it is never in one box either, is it? It's always in about four or five boxes, and they're in different locations, and so this stressful day became a stressful week when our delivery got lost and some of the items got lost so I had to go back to Ikea the next day to replace them and get them and I got our box went into the warehouse made my way around again brought it home opened the box it was the wrong item no, it's shocking. So then I took it back and realised we needed another item Um, because we didn't have that one. I got back to Ikea again, I lost my receipt and then I found that they didn't have the item in stock anymore and it's just been a pain. So I'm not going back to Ikea in a hurry but we did get it, and we did get our bits back. But I find the most, the hardest bit is when you have to then set up your items. I don't know if you've got that. And I had my cupboard, and I laid my cupboard out. I laid out all the pieces, all the nails, everything, and I put the instructions out. And page by page, I slowly followed the instructions. And um, it was going really well. It was going really well. And my confidence began to grow. But that was the problem. My confidence began to grow. And then I took my eyes off of the instructions, And I was like, well, I can do this. I don't need to. I can glance at the instructions, but I don't need to do it. And sure enough, after I nailed that final nail into the backboard and lifted it up, did my son point out that it was the wrong way around. (laughs) So anyway, so it's too late to change. Um, What has this got to do with this story? Am I time wasting so I don't have to talk about this story? I don't know. Um, But the Israelites, what have they done? They've crossed over. And they're into the promised land, and they're stepping into this new season in their lives. And they're about to go into the battle. Their confidence was high, it must have been. And they know that the kings of the Amorites, the kings of the Canaanites, they are scared, they are fearful. They thought they had more time to wait. You know, It was flood season, it was impossible to cross the Jordan, but they have made it across. And so their hearts have melted. The Israelites are now two miles away from Jericho, which is the place where they're going to first. And so they must have been confident. And But they could have been overconfident, and they could have been tempted to just go on and march straight up to Jericho and try and take it. But there was something that God had for them to do. There were some instructions that he had for them to follow. And thankfully, Joshua, he's still taking his time. He's taking his time to listen to God. Unlike me with those instructions, he's taking his time to follow him, to see what he has to say. And it's important for us as well, isn't it, that we... Don't move on without God in our lives. It's so easily done that we wake up in the morning, we invite him into our day. During the day, we bring him into our day. I know Mark, he does this every day. At 12 o'clock, he sets his alarm clock and he does the Lord's Prayer. And he brings whoever's with him into that as well. We end our day with him. You know, it's so important that when things are going well, we don't forget God. And things are going well for Israel right now. and it's, They could have forgotten, but Yah, Joshua remembers he needs to listen to God. And God has two commands for him. The first one was to make flint knives and the second one was to circumcise the Israelites. And what did Joshua do? He did exactly what God told him to do. He did it there and then. He didn't move on, he just did what God said. Just so you know, the place was Gilbreth Harloff and it translates the hill of the foreskins. And I was thinking how much my kids would have liked to have gone there for a day out and like taken a, taken a picture. they, they would not have been happy. Um, my dad would have loved going to places like that. Um, but Joshua listened, didn't he? But if we look at ahead of before that, you got the Amorite and the Canaanite kings. They refused to listen to God. They refused to obey Him. They knew all about His mighty acts. They knew what was coming. You know, and instead of running to him like Rahab did, and they had this chance to do this, they chose to close their hearts to him. And as we continue to read this story, it wasn't just them who had closed their hearts to him. There was a group who wandered around the wilderness for 40 years and refused to obey God as well. You know, they came out of Egypt and they had this same problem where they just refused to listen to God. They turned their backs on him. Their hearts went astray and they just ended up wandering away from God. And so we have to be careful. We have to take it seriously that we have to listen to God and then we have to obey him, just like Joshua did. And in many ways, this story is about obedience and disobedience. We have the disobedience of the kings and then the obedience of Joshua. Then the disobedience of the Israelites who wandered around the wilderness. And then the obedience of this new generation coming through. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who will follow him and live by his word. And God has shown his commitment to the Israelites. You know, he has brought them through this wilderness, even though they were forgetting him. He has fed them every day, and now he's brought them through the Jordan. And now he's turning to them and saying, are you going to be committed to me? You know, if you are, there's something you've got to do. You know, are you going to commit to me? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to obey me? And you might be thinking like I was when I read this passage. Why? Why would God want Joshua and the Israelites to do this? Why would they want them to be circumcised? What is that about? You know, they've crossed the river. They're in the promised land. Why does Joshua now have to make flint knives and circumcise? For them, it was an act of madness as well. They're in enemy territory. And now the whole army is incapacitated. They are out of action. They have done this two miles from Jericho. But this is what God commanded. They would not have been able to fight. And thankfully, the writer knows that a lot of people are asking why, or at least I am. And he says that in verse 4. He says, well, this is why it happens. See, before they could start this new season in their lives, before they could go into battle, God had something for them to do. Something that the children, um, uh, that this group of new children had not done. It had not been passed on to them by their adults and their parents and those before them. And so God wanted to see if they were fully committed to him. And if they're going to submit to him through this painful act of circumcision. But then we have to see, well, why circumcision? What is circumcision all about? And so that I think it's good to go back to Genesis quickly. And just look at the story of Abraham, who is also Abraham. I may say either or, please forgive me, but it's the same person. See in Genesis chapter 12, Abram. He is called to leave his country. He is called to leave his household, his father's home, and he's called to go to this land that God is going to show him. He's saying, "Step out in faith and follow me. Leave this behind, like He calls us to do." And as a result of this obedience, God was going to take this ordinary man, and out of it would birth this nation, which is Israel. And see, God caused Abram to have. He wanted him to have children and grandchildren, and then this nation would come together. And they were to become a nation that would be the image of God. And then there'll be a nation that would then draw others into experience God's blessing and His love. But despite God telling Abraham and Sarai that they would have a child, they couldn't have one. They didn't have a child. And so there's this constant battle in their lives of can we trust God for His Word? Can we follow Him? Or do we go back to our old way of life because of fears and doubts? And they're going back and forth. It's really interesting. But throughout this journey, God always remained faithful to them. And he kept reminding them of this promise that actually I will give you a son and you will have this land. And so God reminds them of this. But in chapter 16, they struggle with it again. They struggle with believing, holding on to God's word. And it's so easily done. It so is. And what they do, they come up with their own plan, their own ideas. And Abraham and his wife Sarah decide that it's best for them to make a child by sleeping with Hagar, the slave woman. And this would be the way it would work. Completely opposite to what God was saying. And what followed was real heartache, because there's 13 years then of just silence. And I don't quite know yet why. And I'm trying to work out. Maybe Abraham just hardened his heart to God and just turned away from him for a while. Or maybe he felt like he's just completely and utterly messed up his life. And it's like God cannot use someone like me anymore. And you may be feeling like that today. But what we see in chapter 7 is that God, in his faithfulness, he's always calling out. And he's calling out to Abraham to walk before him. You know, stay close to me, he's saying. Remain in fellowship with me. Live uprightly. And although that sin of chapter 16 and the mess they made of their lives you know was very real god's forgiveness was bigger and that is for all of you. you need to circumcise every male in your family and yourself and by doing this act the person is declaring that they will walk before god and will put god first in their lives see god was asking Abraham to cut off and throw away that piece of his body that caused him to sin that caused him to mess up to remove it from your life and get rid of it He and his male households were to do this physical act of turning away from their past and turning back to God. And it is a painful act. And it can be when we walk away from God, can't it? And done our own thing because there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of damage and we're just struggling with it. But God is always calling out to us. And Abraham responds to God, doesn't he? And he responds just like Joshua did and he did it immediately, straight away. It's like, yes, God, I will do this. And he threw away that part of his life that went against God's word. He said, I don't want this in me anymore. You see, God will never leave us in that place, though, of pain. He will always bring healing with it. And he brought healing to Abraham. And so if we go back to chapter 5 of Joshua, we see a similar story taking place. This whole generation that was in the wilderness had turned their back on God, and they refused to obey him. In the wilderness, those that left Egypt, they had been circumcised and they were moving around, but they moved away from God. They were not holding on to God's promises and what God had for them. They stopped listening to his voice and they stopped obeying his laws and they wanted to be like the nations around them. And God's saying, you need to come back to me. You need to remove these springs from your life and follow me. But they refused to listen. And so, because of their disobedience, they were no longer allowed to enter the promised land. It was their choice. They chose to step away from God's relationship. And they didn't pass on all that they should have done to their children. They should have been telling the children these things, telling the children about the promises of God and the promised land, but they didn't. And why circumcision was so important. And I believe, as well, though, it would have been incredibly painful for them. You know, they've come out of Egypt where they were slaves, they were made to be slaves where their children were murdered by this king. So there would have been a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of heartache. And with that, well, bitterness and hatred and anger would have been birthed in their lives. And God is saying, I want to take this away from you today. And so just like Abraham, God wanted to restore that relationship with the Israelites. And so he's calling this new generation to live their lives to him, to live as holy people. And what did they do? They responded, every single one of them responded And they were circumcised by Joshua. And although their experiences of circumcision know it was painful, they experienced this incredible moment of healing, where God, it says, he removed the reproach of Egypt from them. See, God wanted them to know that they were free. They were finally free. And they were committed to a master who liberates them, rather than one who oppresses them. Their scores, their insults, their disgrace, all of that, what they were carrying, God was going to take away from them. And that's what God wants to do with us today. He wants to take it all away. But we have to come to him and ask him to do that. And so today, according to Scripture, we we don't have to be circumcised physically, um, which is good news for some. (laughs) But God is looking for people who will be wholly committed to him. He wants us to be people who will cut off the things in our lives that are not fully committed to him, that are pulling us away from him. Like that happened with Abraham and with those in the wilderness. And so what does it mean for us today then? God wants us to do it with our hearts. It's our hearts. And he's always been pointing to this. He's always been bringing it to this. Because in Deuteronomy 10, 16, even in the Old Testament, he says to them in the wilderness, circumcise your hearts. And do not be stiff-necked. He's saying, come back to me. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop turning away and leaving me. Just come back. But they refused. So for us today, it is about allowing God to search our hearts and then allowing him to cut away those things that are in us that are not of him. Those things of anger and hatred and, I don't know, just selfish ambition. Just saying, God, remove these things from my life. And what was interesting is that they went to Joshua to be circumcised at Gilgal. And we need to realize that we cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it. We will keep failing. And so just like the Israelites went to Joshua, we need to go to Jesus. And we need to allow him and allow the Spirit to work in our lives and then remove those things in our lives that are not of God. Deuteronomy 36, it says this, "'The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts.'" And the hearts of your descendants, why? So that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul, and you will live. You know, I, I want to live. But to do that, I have to allow God into every area of my life. And then to remove the things in me that are not of him. But trust that he will bring healing in those places as well where there is a lot of pain. Where people have hurt me, or stuff like that. And so this process may be painful. And like Abraham, we may have messed up. And we may have stopped listening to God. But it's time to put our past behind and put it in Jesus' hands. Because with it will come healing. And so don't run away from these moments, but let God do his work in you. Let Jesus do his work in you. And this process may take time. They had to stay there a while in that camp to be healed. It may take time. Allow that to happen don't feel a rush to move on because with it will come real healing and then the amazing thing is then we can go out and then we'll face those battles that are in front of us and so that's why we need to do it in the, when we wake up in the morning God search my heart search my heart today God because I want to step out into battle for you but search my heart first so I'm going to close with a prayer and then we're going to move into a time of communion where well, we had that chance more before when Philip was leading us in prayers but take that time to ask God to search your heart ask him to come in and remove those things that are maybe within us that need to be removed if you would like someone to pray with you there is a team at the front which will be on my left and your right who would love to pray with you today as well and remember it's because God loves us and he wants to bring healing into our lives he wants to remove those things in our lives that are causing pain as well so Heavenly Father we thank you for this day God, I thank you for your love for us. And I pray those here who do not know your love today will know it deeper, God. Well, all of us will know it deeper today, just how much you love us and how much you care for us and how much you're calling out to us, Lord God. And we just want to open our hearts to you today as well and acknowledge, God, there are things in our hearts that are not of you. There are things in our hearts that do need to be removed. God, but we trust that you will come in and you will do it in a way where there'll be healing as well. And so we look to you, God, as our God and our Father, and we say that we want to live today. So God, do your work in us today, in your name. Amen.